So, Warwick, what's the remotest place on Earth you've been? Ooh. Uh, apart from Tasmania? <laughs> it's not remote, really. <laughs> well, I've been to the centre of Australia, um, the very centre, and uh, driven the Strzelecki track, which... Oh, so um, you have been remote. Yeah, 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 like right in the, the heart of Australia. Right. And in actual fact, you know, you, you're driving along this... Um, well, essentially, it's a dirt or clay track uh, in the middle of the desert, and there's there's nothing. There's no animals, no birds. There, I don't even think there was any insects. Uh, but stop the car, stop the four-wheel drive, and you know, after all the rattling and shaking over corrugations and everything, turn the car off and get out. And the silence was so deafening. You know, people talk about the silence yeah. was deafening. My head was pounding, and my ears were actually like ringing because there was no noise it was phenomenal it was just wow. like complete sensory deprivation apart from the fact it was baking hot uh but yeah that's that's me what about you michael uh well not really much i've gone long reach but i don't know what you'd call that remote but i've always wanted to go you know out back and malibu mm. plain and, and all that one day yep yep spectacular country Welcome to the Tradies Business Show, helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. G'day, listeners. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show, where you're, you're never remote. Uh, you always got us. got us. One <laughs> press away. You can always take us with you, no matter if you're in Antarctica or the Tanami Desert or something. But um, we're talking to somebody. That was a bit of a segue of yours, wasn't it, hmm. Michael? Or, or a little reference, an obtuse reference well, there? I was, I was trying to. Being creative. To, yes. Being creative. Uh, so we're talking today to a lady who lives in the Pilbara um, in Caratha. So she's in uh, remote northwestern Western Australia. There's a mouthful for you. In the <laughs> middle of nowhere anyway. Yes. A um, bit of a mining town. And she has um, a local marketing and design um, company, and it's very much a, a business she markets locally. And uh, I actually met her uh, in the Philippines, but her um, ability to help her customers, which are local businesses in a remote town, be able to market and promote themselves, whether it's offline or online. And I just thought she had some really good perspective. You know, she's come from a town that has been hit really hard by the mining downturn and how she's seeing local businesses respond to that and she has some shares some great ideas of what people can do and we have a chat about you know some of the innovative cost effective ways that you can maybe repackage things mm. and so many simple things that can be done to to create customers to uh you know improve your business and often i think they get overlooked because they are simple so eh, that's too easy we go looking for the big hard fancy solutions and uh i liked i liked the really simple tips in here and low cost as well for for many of them so and i think it's also important that you know she says that the ones that don't change closed mm, yeah, so i was, think you uh, really need to have an open mind and and how things have always been done isn't always going to work in the yep. future. Adapt or so die. She, that's it. So uh, over to Esther. And welcome to another episode of the Tradies Business Show. And today we're joined with someone who is lives in the, a beautiful part of the country that is on my um, bucket list mm. to um, visit. That's Esther Anderson from Technology Design and Marketing. Uh, welcome. 
Welcome, Thank Esther. you very much. Hey, welcome, and to, welcome to the East Coast. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful sunshine over here and no red dust. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you based? I'm based in Karratha in northwestern Western Australia, and it's 1,600 kilometres north of Perth. So wow. that's pretty close then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you get really good at budgeting for your groceries. Is that how it works? Actually, it's it's budgeting for the airfare. Yeah, it, it's yeah. a mining town, and yeah, yeah. that's while a lot of things have dropped, airfares is not one of them. Yeah, they, they know how to uh, recover their costs, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. So I actually met Esther in the Philippines uh, a year ago when I went to a conference over there, which we did talk about on the show at the time. Uh, so it goes to show, you know, how far your, your networking efforts can pay off. So you went all the way to the Philippines to meet somebody from yes. Caratha. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. actually I met people that lived in Brisbane and I live in Brisbane in the Philippines. Yep. Yep. Funny, isn't it, how that works out? Yeah, always, always. But it's always meant to be. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're someone that does, you know, a lot of local marketing in your area, but also do travel for education and networking and, and largest events. How do you find that? Why, why do you spend so much on that and how do you get value out of it? Uh, a lot of it is mental stimulus. It's because a lot of, uh, and I refer to my people, which are everybody that lives in the town and, and, uh, because I do a lot of, uh, community events. And so in order to pass on my knowledge to them, I need to go and get educated myself. But a lot of it too is the motivation. So I go elsewhere where I get to talk to like-minded people, we learn things, and then we swap ideas. It's like at the Philippines, Michaela was sort of the closest person in my line of industry and could understand, so r relate very close, whereas a lot of people are global-based or city-based, really city-dedicated. And you you need that mental stimulation. Otherwise, if you do the same thing every day, you know, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Mm. Yeah. And although, uh, you know, I make ridiculous jokes about... Where you're living, uh, Karatha is an isolated community. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got everything there, but it's a good analogy for how cut off, um, I guess business owners become, even if they are in a metropolitan area or in built up areas is, is we get very, uh, insular. Uh, you know, we go about our day to day lives. We're busy in our businesses and we tend not to actually get out and get connected with people around us. So, yeah. so I mean, you guys have experienced, uh, that side of things and and i know you've done a fair bit of i guess local area marketing esther with your business yes i'm very much because we we're in the district of the pilbara and we have uh five towns in one city woohoo karatha became a city <laughs> uh so we have about twenty three thousand people our closest town is two and a half hours away and and people come down for shopping actually mm. they come down for kfc <laughs> and so <laughs> one of of my beliefs is that you should work with the people next door so over there a lot of the time they bring consultants up from perth which is a waste because you're spending so much time on people that come up that don't really understand but because you need that specific uh, you know, result, intelligence, commentary, anything like that, you're, you're actually bringing them all that way. So I sort of push very much for to employ from the next town if I can't employ from my town. And mm -hmm. we, we do have a, 
a big push on buy local, but you don't know that there are those people in that town. Now, as such, we have five chambers of commerce over there and I'm a member of each one. And the benefits of that is because somebody will look into their directory and it gives them credibility because they, oh, this is someone that's joined the chamber. We know they're going to be here for the next 12 months. They're legitimate. And so you you have that background credibility. But also uh, one of the things is you can advertise through your local chamber and it's it's so much cheaper than the newspaper. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of benefits there. And, I mean, I always say everybody's money is green. So if my client's in the next town, which is two hours away, and I know they would rather employ me than bring someone up from Perth, then why why not promote yourself there? You know, why suddenly – I was at a conference the other day and I couldn't believe how many people were saying, I live in such and such a suburb. So should I bill myself as the Sunshine Coast air conditioning salesman or should I niche it down to the actual um, where were we sippy downs mm. and yep. I'm thinking wow is that sort of very narrow-minded or why don't you promote yourself over three or four suburbs or don't you feel that you can compete mm. so um, and then when you do compete with someone it's it's certainly about making yourself different and standing out from the crowd yeah, and I know, um, you know, in our local chamber of commerce here, we only have one tradie, and uh, he really hated going when he started, and now he really looks forward to it. It's one networking thing he does, but he basically has the business from everyone in that chamber of commerce because he is the only one that's there. And, and tradies aren't known for attending chambers or, or local networking events, but there really is some great opportunity if you go more than once and stick to it and become <laughs> an active member. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you would find that there with a local. Um, being so remote in the the local businesses. Yeah, and and it's also how you go about there. Because I work in the online world and it's unknown to a lot of people and they're very scared. My husband's a carpenter. So we arrive there and uh, we're both branded for our company. We, We arrive there and we don't... We take it seriously. The company doesn't pay me to go there and drink and have a drink all the free beer and party hard. So I go there, put one drink in my hand, and my husband goes off and talks to the tradesman. Then he calls me over and says, so-and-so, Bob the, the builder doesn't have a website, but he's scared of talking about online. Can you explain how easy it is? And because there's that initial introduction, then it's worthwhile. So that's one thing I... And so many small businesses, because they are partner-driven, I suggest take your partner because you never know it's, it's Australia. You've got the boys on the left side and the girls on the right side. Girls in the kitchen, boys at the bar. But use it to your advantage. And so, you know, when your wife goes off and talks to the ladies and, you know, you go off and have a beer with the boys, think about how you can maximise your reach because you never know who's going to be your next customer. And they, uh, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's often said that women are better networkers. So, you know, that whole uh, comment of, of, you know, trade businesses being partner-driven, 
you know, take the spouse along, uh, you know, she's probably going to make a lot more connections in the same amount of time than a lot of the blokes will who will just talk to the two or three people that they know uh, and not actually go and put themselves out there as, as gruff and, and uh, you know, apparently are going as we like to think we are. Uh, women do actually connect a lot better. And not only that, you have two perspectives of the one situation. You, you find when you go home from anywhere, any social function, you know, the wife always says, oh, well, I noticed such and such. And the husband says, well, I saw so-and-so. And so when you're actually talking about uh, people that you've spoken to, the clients, uh, learning different businesses and opportunities, it gives you food for thought and you have someone that you can discuss it with not go home and explain it too. Mm. And there's a big difference on that. Yeah. Yeah. I know another um, thing you're big as uh, a local area marketing specialist is branding. And every time I see you, uh, you have a branded T-shirt on or clothing um, and looking fabulous, of course. And we were at another conference last year where there were 700 people there and Esther was the only one in branded clothing. And you were just shocked at how many people don't put the, you know, their personal branding out there. And especially for our guys in this trade industry, it's so important that whenever they can, they're, they're being their brand. That, that's right. Um, I have magnets on the side of my, my car and I wear my, my branded shirt everywhere I go. And when I went to the conference and I thought I'm representing branding and marketing and I looked around because I, I was, I knew of people and I was looking, how, how can I identify them? And I couldn't. And uh, as Michaela said, that I was very shocked, totally, because I'm a small town person making the most of a, a situation. So when I go to the city with, I guess I'm expecting big city ideas and I find that a lot of the time they don't think outside the box. Mm. When you're in a small town and... I brand absolutely everything. And then you're in the car park and somebody comes over and says, oh, sorry, I'm just reading. Uh, you, you do computer training. And I go, yes. And I don't do that very often. But if I didn't have that on the side of my car, I would have missed out on an opportunity. Mm. So when we go out, we have our dress shirts. So when we do go out to function, so they're not covered in oil and <laughs> grease or anything like that and look respectable. And you don't know who is looking for your brand name in a big room you need to stand out mm. yep how do i know you that you know you're a carpenter or a web website designer if i'm looking for something to relate to and the cost of doing that is so low that <clears throat> it's such a great passive uh, I guess marketing opportunity that uh, you know a couple of magnets on the side of your vehicle or uh, you know a printed polo shirt these days costs you a hell of a lot less than the surf brand uh, clothing that that people like to wear uh, and it's and it's constant you know um, vehicles parked up on job sites at the shopping centre even on the weekends when you go you know to the park with your family it's out there and people are seeing it so it's it's building that familiarity with the brand. That's right. Yeah, I saw a great example in my little town, which only has like 400 people where I live. And uh, this guy was getting their yard landscaped and they had an um, A-frame saying, this is another great job being done by this landscaping company. Mm. I thought, what a great way to, you know, obviously their trucks were all there, the guys were in uniform, but just to have that extra sign out, 
and you know they can take that to every job. Yep. I thought that was a great way, you know, to market their business. But I know something we hear a lot of is, oh, you know, I've lived in this town for twenty years. Everybody knows what I do. I, I have an ad in the local paper every week. That they know where to find me. What do you say to to guys like that that are thinking, you know, oh, look, I, I I've been around here. I know enough. I know enough people. Well, that, that's great for them, but no, not everybody else has lived in the same town for 30 years, mm. especially in the past couple of years. The population flow, people are moving in for jobs and moving out for jobs, transitioning. And so if you keep advertising in the paper and using the same words, people actually don't read that anymore. Yep. And... That is why actually sponsoring the local footy club, for example, is, is quite beneficial because you're there, you come up as a sponsor, you get to speak on a microphone and present a trophy to the kids and people look up there and then they think, well, I need a air conditioning salesman and I saw, you know, Fred over there the other night. I know that. So the more you put yourself out there and do little different things, um, not everybody knows what you do. You may make that assumption, but if you want to advertise within your town or surrounding districts or you've added additional services and that's something you always want to grow your business, you don't want to have done exactly the same thing for 30 years. You may be good at it, but drive you crazy. And not only that, but people forget. You know, you, you might uh, think they know that you're there and even people that have used you and we've talked on the show before about rebooting past customers it's amazing how short people's memories are of who is that guy that i used last year or six months ago or three years ago and uh yeah if you're doing all of those uh well i guess a little passive marketing uh it it just keeps the name familiar with people so they do remember uh, because we're all very busy and we manage to forget most things these days so I know one reason we wanted to get uh, Esther on the show is she has a really great, um, unique perspective of um, helping a lot of trade-based businesses in an area that is quite remote and small, but also that was really heavily affected by the mining boom downturn. So you've got these local businesses that are busy when things are going well, uh, and you've worked with a lot of businesses to help them when things are slower, um, to help them do those little things in the market. Um, and so we thought we would talk about a couple of things that people can do uh, to make things, um, you know, cheap, cost-effective little ways that they can um, help out when things are slow. Um, and I know you had some great examples about, um, for example, a landscape gardener. Yes, a, a landscaper gardener came to me and not everybody can afford a website. That's quite pricey. Nobody necessarily sees that, but I do a lot of marketing as well. So when we were actually having a discovery session, what do they actually want to get out of it? And they wanted to target real estate agents. And there are so many gardeners on, on real estate agents because it's it's reasonably easy money in that they don't have to go and find clients, but they get paid each month. And when we kept asking the questions, and I said, so you don't want to mow residential lawn for $50? And he said, no. I said, would you mow the same lawn for $150? He said, well, if I got paid, I would. And so over there, we have about 60% absentee landlords. And I said, but if you had a website, and it's not the website thing, it's the booking online. And so many people have rentals over there. So you have house inspections. So what if 
I got called for a house inspection. My lawnmower broke down and I went to your site and I would plug in my credit card. I would book you to mow my lawn and trim. And then he goes, oh, and then I could clear all the rubbish away. I said, bingo, $200 on the credit card. You've got the money and he's booked you for tomorrow afternoon. Could you do that? Oh, yeah, that's a lot better than trying to to market and I said and then you market to absentee landlords and real estate agents that you offer a 24 48 hour turnaround now people why they go cheap it's you don't actually want the people that haven't got the money or want to go cheap you want the people that are chasing the service or they're stuck in pain when people have a pain point or a problem and you have a solution irrespective of what you charge and you're providing service that they're happy to pay that so you go online you book credit card done so he, he really really liked that idea and started proceeding down that that way so it's never discount but value add different services we had a hairdresser and suddenly quite a few people are opening up hairdressing salons in in uh, our town and then what she did was she had a friend that could do uh, fingernails. Not not trained, but she she was very clever at it. So with every, um, I think it was a, like a colour and a cut, you got your nails done for free. And the lady lived next door, so she would just come over. It took 10 minutes. She would do the nails. And it wasn't that it was cheaper than down at the salon, but it was all part of the, the luxury treatment. So if you look at your own business and think, what else can I do? I sell air conditioners. Nobody's buying air conditioners because it's winter. So what if you educate everybody about the germs that live in the air conditioning and then we provide maintenance? We can either come around and do it regularly or you educate people that how bad it is and then suddenly you pick up the maintenance contract. You're there each two months or so and then suddenly when they need a proper big service or they need a replacement, they, you're on the books. They know you straight away. Mm. And it's uh, I'm working with a pest control business at the moment uh, as one of my wingman clients. And it's taken some convincing to get him to have a look at an online booking service and also to do email marketing because he's, he's sitting there saying, what am I going to talk about? Like bugs. Who wants to hear about bugs? And I've said the same thing is... Uh, no, talk about the germs that cockroaches carry around and rats and mice and what they can do to your wiring and show some photos of a house that's burned down because the rats chewed through the wiring in the ceiling, you know. They're problems that people want to solve and that's what you're talking about, Esther, is, is people will pay to solve problems. Very much. And especially when you referred, Michaela, to the chap that's been doing that for 30 years, imagine the wealth of knowledge that... the we don't have but he does and he just doesn't realize that there are people out there that would like to know and when you're talking about pest control we had a huge fly pl uh, plague last year and they they sprayed several times and it didn't work i had to go out and catch flies so they could send them off to the university and mm -hmm. so suddenly i was very interested in what kind of fly that was and many people don't realize that and they think it's just boring or mundane, whether mm -hmm. it's air conditioning or car wash or a mechanic. But people pay for your knowledge. That's mm. what they want. And it's also, you know, about repackaging your services that you currently have. So if you were, um, you know, an air conditioner sales and service, oh, people know I do that. But do they? 
you know, do they know that they should be having a monthly or bi-monthly maintenance? So it's actually packaging up what you think people know that you do, but actually having a new look at it and going, how can I package this up into something that is actually solving that particular pain point and, and providing it easier to buy from you because they're seeing the types of services that you offer. Um, so, you know, the servicing of an air condition could be many different things and they could all be different packages that you have, but it's technically still doing the same thing. It's just talking how your customers will understand. That's right. And when you offer a service like that, business people work so hard and customers are so lazy. So the easier you make it for the customer, the the easier it's going to be on yourself. So if you're going to provide, say, cleaning out the air conditioner filters, don't just say it's a one-off at $50. Say we have a winter special. We come around for the next six months and it'll only cost you $300. And suddenly you know each month, first of each month, you're going to that place. They've already paid in advance or it's automatically set up. So think how you can actually block book and market everything together and keep people coming back. So don't necessarily sell for one, sell for two or three or six or 12 months consistently. And that is the, that is the, up, is the, up, the upsell. Mr. and Mrs. Housewife, husband, uh, don't have to um, think about it again for 12 months. Mm. I had a great example of, of something like that. Uh, you know, packaging, packaging things up and getting people onto kind of a subscription basis for services that you wouldn't normally think of. Looking at renting my house out at the moment, and um, and it's got smoke alarms in it. And I was talking to the the real estate agent when she came around to do the appraisal and, and give me some tips. And uh, I said, oh, I've got to get this smoke alarm replaced before you know we can tenant it out because it's it's not working. She said, Oh well. There's this service now you pay, I think she said it was $250 a year or something, and um, basically any time your smoke alarms break, they'll replace them, um, and they come and test them because you've got to get them tested every six months, I think it is, with uh, you know the whole tenancies thing. So the, the testing's included. It's just this one annual fee. Uh, you know This company gets customers signed on to a regular... You know, until further notice, kind of deal. It's great value for the the landlords uh, because they know the smoke alarm thing is going to be taken care of. They don't have to deal with it. If the tenant rings up and says it's beeping in the middle of the night, they don't ring me. The real estate agent just sends this company around, and it's just looking at things in a different way. Instead of having to get an electrician out, and there's a call out fee, and then there's the cost of the smoke alarm. And this company'd be making good money because most of the time they don't have to fix smoke alarms. They're not breaking down. You know, they go and do a quick inspection, press the button, yep, it's good, and they're collecting another two or three hundred bucks per customer every year. And they also have regular cash flow. They can project and budget better. Yep. Um, you know, and it's like lawn mowing again, having a monthly subscription where you know direct debits come out and they'll mm. automatically come out once a month and mow the lawn, and you're not worrying about it. And it costs you seventy five percent less to keep previous customers coming back mm. than to actually go out and find new customers. Yep. So why wouldn't you want to to keep them coming back to you? Uh-huh. I know. So um, as far as the mining downturn, like what else have you, I guess, put in place to help tradies um, to deal with that? And, and what do you think are some good strategies to help in those sort of times where perhaps things have slowed down a little bit? 
we we lost a lot of tradies after because they came along for for the easy money and they were the ones that were there make the money and go back to wherever they originally came from but with our chamber of commerce they're getting an average of five new businesses joining each month that small businesses are growing over there because people are starting to be innovative and think outside the the square what's usually been done and a lot of home-based businesses rents traditionally are quite quite high over there so they're all giving up a bedroom decking it out and and which is an accepted practice over there the you see the ones and i've seen three in the last year that didn't change and they didn't know what to do they were not traveling anywhere they were not learning they don't listen to podcasts they just do what they've always done and advertise in the paper and they were the ones that closed down and it was rather sad and then you see new new businesses not necessarily young business owners but the ones that okay we're really going to have to do something here and they're the ones that might once a year go to a conference in perth or a good idea that I heard the other day was actually a uh, business owner and he had a, a free-for-all Friday. Hmm. So once a month, because he didn't have a chamber of commerce, and so he would send an email out to uh, friends and say, how about turning up on the first Friday and we'll all like swap our business cards and do a bit of networking. Now, there are a lot of groups out there for networking, but there were none in this particular town. So everybody turned up, and the guy thought, well, if there's just me, I'll have a beer by myself and go home. 26 people turned up. <laughs> and so they just had a good time introducing themselves, and they felt quite comfortable because a lot of people don't like getting out of the comfort zone. And because they're all in the, the trades industry, they they weren't scared of you know, uh, too much information can be very overwhelming at times and you don't want to say, no, I don't know. But when you're in a comfort zone like that and with friends, even though they're friends you haven't met, any opportunity is like that. Network and start learning. Mm. And it's an unfortunate fact for people that don't like to do that. They're actually going to have to learn and, and be a little bit more open-minded. That's why things are heading. Yep. Cool. Well, one thing we like to ask all our um, guests uh, is if you had a thousand tradies in the room, what would be the one thing that you would like to tell them? Be your own customer. It doesn't matter if you think your business is great or poor. One day, step in the shoes of your customer and ring you up and order your service. And tell me at the end of the day, fill out your own little online survey, would you employ yourself again? Because that's that's the best thing you would pick up and go, oh, I didn't like that. You will learn so much about your business by pretending you don't own the business. Mm. <laughs> Excellent advice. Great advice. Great tip. And uh, Esther, thanks for coming on the show. It's been great to uh, get a, a perspective from... Uh, remote western australia and uh i hope you have a safe trip back and uh yeah definitely some some great tips in there about i guess uh innovating and and adapting and doing things a little differently and so if anyone wants to chat to you more and perhaps get one of those discovery sessions with you how would they go about that uh just go to my website which is uh tech t-e-c-k hyphen 
N-O-L-O-G-Y.com and or email me online at technology and I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions or give them tips or where to look for things. Great. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Esther. Thanks for having me. So there you go. Uh, Esther from Caratha in the Pilbara in Western Australia. Long way away, but uh, awesome tips in there. And look, it can, as I said in the interview there, uh, it can get a little lonely in business sometimes. You can feel a little cut off or a little remote. And one way to remedy that would be to go and check out the Tradies Business Toolkit. But before you do that, make sure you've got the thing that you need that's going to tell you what to do because there's no point actually, you know, talking to all these people about improving your business if you don't know what you're doing. No, and we have a great free ebook, Nine Steps to Getting Off the Tools and Into True Business Ownership. So basically we summarise nine things you need to be doing to grow your business and, of course, um, marketing is one of those. Yep. So head to tradiesbusinessshow.com, um, put in your email address and uh, we'll send that out to you. Yep, so grab your Get Off the Tools guide and, uh, yeah, let us know how you go. Don't, don't do it on your own. Don't be remote. Come and have a group hug. <laughs> See ya. You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools and into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com. <laughs>